Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Like many who've weathered the storms of life, author and licensed marriage and family therapist, Nicole Sazowski lived her life terrified of celebrating. After experiencing prolonged seasons of hurt and disappointment, Nicole had become highly suspicious of joy. She was afraid to enjoy the good things in life for fear that they would be snatched away. But in her new book, which I loved, What If It's Wonderful? An Invitation to Release Your Fears, Choose Joy, and Find the Courage to Celebrate, Nicole shares how she chose to pursue a life of anticipation, and she invites us to join her on this quest to release the fear that hinders our delight, savor the joy of the present life, and find our God-given courage to celebrate. Welcome, Nicole. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I really love this. I know it's just releasing at the time that this is airing. Um, But for me, I was blessed to have an advanced copy. And I just loved every word of it, Nicole. I I shared with you earlier, it's like the book I didn't even know that I needed Mm. until I read it. And I feel like that's going to be the case for some people that we don't even realize kind of this um, complicated relationship Mm -hmm. that we may have with celebration. So it was really forged. You forged this relationship with kind of disappointment and dread after you had a series of miscarriages. And you talk about that in the book. Can you share a little bit about just your story, Nicole, for people who might be unfamiliar? Sure. I, um, for the better part of the last decade, I walked through a season that I would characterize mainly with change and loss. Um, Some of those professional, some of those personal, certainly a lot of that was tied to chronic infertility and chronic miscarriages, which was the result of a diagnosis that um, we can't change. So there was no cure for what was causing those. And so just a lot of um, spiritual, emotional, and physical heartache and loss and change. Um, and I don't think any season that any of us walk through is either all pain or all joy. I think all seasons are a combination of both, but I would say for quite a while, it was a season that leaned a little toward pain. (laughs) Um, and one of the, one of the things I realized uh, coming out of that season was that the main cost, um, maybe I shouldn't say the main cost, but one of the major costs was not only the pain and loss itself, but my refusal to receive and hold joy mm-hmm. for fear that it would be taken away. Um, I refused to celebrate, and this wasn't like a conscious choice that I made, but looking back, I can see my hesitancy and my denial of joy and celebration because I was so scared um, that if I held on to it, I would be disappointed or even devastated. And so all that chronic loss just really shaped my heart um, in really costly ways. Mm. 
Um, and so that's how that season ushered me into this season of relearning to embrace joy and to find celebration again. Mm. And there's, I, I love the way that you walk us through your story. You bring us mm. in so vulnerably. Thank you for that, Nicole. And I think mm. even if someone's listening and it wasn't their story, I do have infertility as a part of my story as well. And God did bless mm. us with two children, but if, whether that's your story or not, this book is so rich with insights for anyone who is maybe more acquainted with pain than they are with delight and with celebration. Um, you even talk about at one point that joy became dangerous for you and that there are, you know, reasons that hope and joy begin to feel unsafe for us, especially if we are more acquainted with pain and we maybe have established a relationship with who God is in relationship with our pain, but we don't necessarily have the type of relationship with joy and celebration that he offers us to have. It was very insightful for me. In fact, one of the reasons that you talk about that maybe we don't celebrate is that we think we have to earn it. And Mm -hmm. I deeply resonated with that as kind of a Enneagram one goal achiever type of perfectionist personality that I've worked really hard on, but that was very, um, just eye-opening for me to read that on paper that we actually feel that we have to earn the right to celebrate. So that's just one of the reasons, but when joy and hope feel unsafe for us, Nicole, what are some of the reasons that we push away celebration? Yeah, you certainly named one of the main ones, at least for me, I resonate with your personality type and Mm. I, I know a lot of listeners do as well. Um, but we want celebrate, we want to have a reason to celebrate. And so, um, and it's interesting, you and I are talking just after the the beginning of the new year. And I find that any sort of transition can sometimes bring these expectations. Like, I hope that this year we have a reason to celebrate. I hope Mm -hmm. that, um, I achieve that goal or that dream is fulfilled. And then I will be able to celebrate because I will feel good enough. Um, and what I've learned the hard way many, many times, I'm a, I'm a stubborn learner, is that um, we, we want that joy to come on the far side of a goal achieved or a dream realized, but it's a mirage. Uh, we, we think that we'll feel that permission to celebrate when we get there and only to find that the finish line has been ripped out from under us and moved down the road further. Um, And so it's pulling celebration out of our own achievement um, and really uh, embracing God's faithfulness throughout our story. Um, I also find we're hesitant to celebrate. uh, and, And this is one that we don't often name, but we don't know how to place God in our celebration. We are very familiar with what it looks like to draw close to him in pain. Um, and, and I don't know, I love the church and I love Christian community. I don't know that we've done a great job of um, really being disciplined about celebration. We tend to elevate other disciplines like prayer and fasting and um, drawing close to God in, in our morning. We talk about that a lot. But we don't really talk about what it looks like to engage with God in our celebration and our joy. And so what I found is I found such a precious new relationship with Christ in the midst of my suffering, a totally different relationship with him 
than I had had before. And what I found was as I started to step over different kinds of ground, ground that was soft underfoot and, and had a little bit more joy, a, a new kind of season, I realized that I was hesitant in part because I didn't know how to, where to place God in the light of my joy. Hmm. Um, I didn't realize that that hadn't been something I really talked about or thought about, um, with my community or even in my own mind and heart. And so, um, that was certainly a part of my hesitation. I, I didn't know what it looked like for the Christ follower to engage with God, um, in, in her joy. And then when we talk about awkwardness in community, I think um, we've often been taught that celebration is boastful. Yeah. Um, we're afraid that we'll look like we're making it about us. And this ties into what you shared of celebration being a reward. I actually learned that when I'm hesitant to celebrate, and I'll I'll speak for myself here, but maybe some listeners can can resonate as well. I learned that when I'm hesitant to celebrate, it's actually a sign that I've made it about me. Mm. Um, because if I'm just celebrating how God has moved in my life, an opportunity he's given me to use my gifts or a, a lavish gift he's given me in my life, the most natural response is exuberant celebration. Mm. Um, not because I'm better than anyone else, but because look what God did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my hesitation is sometimes a sign that, oops, I've made, I have made it about me because I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be about me if I celebrate. Yeah. Um, and then too, I, you know, celebration always runs concurrent with, uh, pain in, the, in this broken world. Um, I know many people have said, how do I celebrate, you know, breakthrough or good news in my life when a friend, you know, that I do life with is grieving the very same thing that yeah. I'm celebrating. Yeah. And how do I do that with kindness and sensitivity and also honesty um, without feeling like I have to squish what's going on and what God has done in my life. So those are just a few of the many reasons, but the, the hesitancies around celebration are, are quite uh, numerous. Yeah. I mean, more so than I even realized. And ironically, because my first Bible study, Nicole is finding joy when life is out of focus. And mm. I talked about even some of what you said, how we push joy away, or we, you know, we tether it to circumstances when this happens, when that happens, and we just keep kind of losing agency over our own ability to live in joy, which we know is a gift from the Lord and, and, you know, the Holy spirit works yes. joy in our life, but we still have choice in this matter mm -hmm. of whether or not we're going to choose to engage in joy. Even having written that Nicole, I still realized there were layers that mm. I was still pushing back that lifestyle of celebration. I'm, I'm far quicker to celebrate for others. And I found yes. that to be interesting too. And I think it is what you were just saying, whether we feel like, Oh my goodness, for example, this is small, but I give you an example. We had a terrible winter storm out here this past week and everybody I knew lost power and we didn't mm. lose electricity. Some people still don't have it six or seven days later. And so I actually began to feel guilty 
that I had electricity. I have no control over that. I can't control which power lines, but it's like you hated to even share with people. Now we did. We're like, Hey, do you need a warm shower? Can we, can you, you know, come over and use the house? And, but I feel like that's just a microcosm of what we feel when God is doing something in our lives that we should and want to celebrate because it's Mm -hmm. a God story. And we kind of withhold because we don't know what that's going to make someone else feel. So there are, there's so many different facets. It could be where Mm -hmm. we have God in the equation, even though we see all throughout scripture, his delight in us, him saying that creation was good and he sings over. So it's not like he doesn't love to celebrate. So maybe, I mean, we're pastors. So maybe Nicole, it's even the way that has been taught from Mm -hmm. the pulpit. There was a point that you were sharing in the book and you, you just touched on something that I read growing up, Richard Foster's, the celebration of discipline, which was uh-huh. you know, your, your disciplines, your fasting and your, the things you mentioned. Yeah. But what I, what I thought when I was reading your book was, but we need the discipline of celebration. Like mm-hmm. we, we have this, and there's nothing wrong with the celebration of discipline. We need spiritual disciplines, but why isn't celebration a part of our spiritual disciplines, just like everything else, not only celebrating others, but celebrating God. And even in the midst of maybe painful circumstances, not waiting until everything aligns perfectly, which it won't ever. So if we wait for that to celebrate, we'll never celebrate. I love that you said this celebration at its very best is a response to God's goodness, not a reward for our own. It's a great way of kind of summing up some of what we've talked about here. It's a response to God's goodness. I like how Tim Hughes says worship is our response to the revelation of God. So Mm -hmm. celebration is a response to God's goodness, not a reward. And that means we disassociate kind of like you were saying us and thinking about ourselves and, and putting ourselves too much in that equation to where we don't rally around this, this lifestyle of celebration. In fact, your book opens with this beautiful image of a fire pit and celebration with your neighbors. I was so inspired by that. And it it showed the intentionality that you have, you've made deliberate choices. Joy is a choice. Celebration is a choice. Living this way is a choice, just like being miserable and choosing bitterness is a choice. So I just, there's so much in your book and I know we could talk for hours about it, but I want (laughs) to lean into, so that first section is kind of about releasing your fears and what's holding Mm -hmm. us back. Why aren't we celebrating? Then you move into a section about choosing joy, like we're discussing. So what are some, maybe just a couple of ways that you give us that we can choose joy, Nicole? Yeah, I, I tried to really stick with, um, practical ways that we can, choose joy because I think that you're so right. A lot of us assume that joy is a byproduct of something good happening and we don't recognize our own empowerment in it. Um, And so there's several ways that we can practice joy. One of my favorites um, is Thanksgiving and this is different than gratitude. Um, Gratitude is hugely helpful in terms of the joy that we experience, um, because it shifts our, it shifts our gaze to what, um, what is good, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, we're able to spot, um, goodness in our lives that we might be tempted to overlook or dismiss as unimportant, um, or simply not see because our eyes are trained on what isn't happening or who didn't come to the party or what, Mm -hmm, you know, what didn't happen that we were dreaming of. 
Um, but Thanksgiving, I love this practice because it, it takes it a step further. The, the research is pretty clear that when you actually share your gratitude, uh, with the giver, um, then you basically throw gasoline on the joy that gratitude allows you to experience. So, and, and this is true for interpersonal relationships with, between humans. Um, so if somebody gives you a gift, actually looking in them in the eye and saying, thank you. This is what I love about it. This is how I'm excited to use it. And maybe we can do it together or, you know, depending on the gift, um, writing a, a thank you note, telling them how it's impacting uh, your life. Um, but I also think this is such a powerful uh, exercise with God. It's such a powerful practice with him, um, the ultimate giver of, of all good things. And, and so many of us feel grateful for what we receive from him. Um, but we, not because we're ungrateful people, but it's just not a practice we're in the habit of doing of actually saying, thank you, God, and naming it and, and naming why you're so appreciative of it. Um, and Thanksgiving is our way of celebrating the gift with the giver. Mm. Um, and, and one of my favorite stories on that is the 10 lepers. Um, yeah. You know, all of them received healing on their way to the temple, which is traditionally the step you take after you're physically healed. And, and so their faith, they all had faith. They all went to the temple and they start seeing their healing, their own healing in the faces and bodies of each other. Um, and we can assume given the cultural barriers of having leprosy at the time that they all felt a tremendous amount of relief and gratitude. Yeah. Um, and, and that they were, you know, rushing home to their families like anybody would. Can you imagine if, if mm. those barriers just got broken down and, and you were free and of course you'd run to your loved ones, mm. but only one returned to thank Jesus. And Jesus said, well, weren't all 10 healed. Yeah. And this is not, I always thought of this as, is Jesus asking, is this a bid for our praise? Like, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, the, and that is not what that is. Jesus doesn't need our, our praise and our gratitude to become mm. more whole, but it was a chance to celebrate the gift with the giver. That's so um, and so that's one main way. Savoring is another one of my favorite ways. Yeah. It's, Basically, savoring is just asking your five senses what they're recording about the memory. So sometimes I'll be holding my daughter, who's going to be one in a few weeks, and I'll, you know, I'll ask, okay, I, I can smell the the scent of that baby head that nobody can seem to figure out how to bottle, and <laughs> I can hear her little, uh, I call them snuggle snorts, like just her deep breathing. Um, and I can feel the weight of her on my chest. And I'll just, I'll ask all five of my senses what they're remembering um, about a very ordinary moment. And so what savoring does is it makes the ordinary extraordinary and it mm -hmm. celebrates the ordinary that we might be tempted to just get through. Yeah. Um, and most of us are going about our daily lives with void of celebration because mm -hmm. Again, we don't see any reason to celebrate. Yeah. 
Um, so those are just a couple ideas and there's more in the book. I love savoring. I actually jotted that down as being one of just kind of the one that leapt off the page for me, mm. even using our senses. I'm trying to apply that even to my having my quiet time in the mornings. I'm trying to introduce all five senses if possible. So I'm reading beautiful. I'm reading on paper. So I've got the paper between my fingers and then I've got my coffee. So there's, you know, an association of, of a taste and a smell there. And then I've got my dwell app open. So I'm listening to it. Um, so I just think anytime that we can incorporate our senses and that awareness, again, there's intentionality there. And we talk here on the podcast, Nicole, about discovering miracles, even in life's messy moments, um, mm. or in messy seasons, as we've talked about and fertility is stretched on and we don't by any means minimize by saying messy moment, but when life is messy and it often is, there are still opportunities to, to discover miracles. And I don't just mean the big, ah, you know, the heaven, right. <laughs> but like you're talking about savoring and noticing God. Mm-hmm. I think it, God appreciates that there's a line from the color purple that's coming to me and I'll paraphrase it. Um, but she's walking through the field of, of the purple flowers. And she said, mm-hmm. I just think it makes God mad when we walk mm-hmm. through and we don't notice that we don't notice the color purple. That's actually mm-hmm. where the name of the book comes from is the fact that we have all this beauty. And you talk about noticing beauty even, um, in, in the book and, uh, you know, what's in front of us that we can, that's beautiful. And I think when we see so much brokenness, like we have, especially in the last two years, Nicole, it, it might be more of a struggle to look for the beauty, but it is there. And if we're aware, yeah. and if we're living in that awareness of, okay, God, where are you today? Where are you in my day? Where are mm-hmm. you in the middle of even some of these messy situations that I'm finding myself in? I'm still going to choose mm-hmm. to look for the celebration. And I'm going to look for ways to celebrate others, celebrate what you're doing in my life and celebrate with the giver. I mean, if I give someone a gift, it's so wonderful to see their expression. You know, my sister received a gift this weekend that was so meaningful for her for Mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. And, um, without giving any specific details for confidentiality, it it was something that really ministered to her heart and she's not Mm -hmm. really a crier. And she sent a text and she said, I just like, I'm getting emotional. She said, Angela, I don't know the last time I cried tears of joy. And she said, I, she said, I just sat there crying tears of joy because somebody would do this for me. It was, it was not even that big of a thing, but it was so meaningful for her. And she was able to sit with the person who gave it to her and celebrate that together. And that good, good friend of hers was able to see what this gift had meant. And so that example is coming to me as we're talking today. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, because it was oh. meaningful for my sister. It was healing for her mm-hmm. for some things that she's experienced recently. And it was such a blessing to this other person. And I think sometimes we hold back, we get one life and let's mm-hmm. just live it well. And part of living well is not being stingy with the way that we speak life over other people. Amen and celebrate them. So there's just so many reasons that I love um, what you talk about. I I want Mm -hmm. you to kind of speak to maybe the skeptic, Nicole, who's listening and saying, yeah, well, celebration is just escape or it's just avoidance. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who maybe is wrestling with that thought? Oh, I, I so hear that because I, (laughs) I wrote this um, as a skeptic. Uh, I wrote this book from that perspective, because that was my starting place. Um, and obviously grew and evolved from there as I started 
researching what God and the Bible has to say about this. Um, and also, you know, the psychological science, um, in our brains and, uh, everything going on there. So I really, I understand that place. Um, and it, escape essentially says there is nothing I can do to make this different. So I just need to take myself out of it. I, I describe it as sort of a pause button to our healing and growth. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't, we're not growing and changing when we, um, escape, we're just sort of hitting the pause button, mm. uh, because we just can't take it anymore. Um, and it's, it's a reaction to our pain. Uh, celebration is a conscious choice. It's an action. It keeps us engaged, um, with not only all five of our senses, but also our emotions. It keeps mm-hmm. us engaged with our, in our relationship with God and other people. Um, and so there's so many opportunities for interpersonal growth, uh, intrapersonal growth. Yeah. Um, and, and so much healing that can take place through the practice of celebration, through that choice and that, that concerted action. Mm. Um, so there is a, a distinct difference. And I do address that in a, from a few different angles throughout the book, because I think it's important. I think that especially in Christian circles, we've somehow gotten this idea that, you know, we've treated celebration like dessert, like it's nice, mm-hmm. but it's not essential to the Christian life. That's good. And, good. and I disagree. Um, and you know, you brought up Richard Foster's, the celebration of discipline and it is a spiritual discipline. It's just not one that we tend to dive into. Um, yeah. it's not one that we talk about as important or, um, or a discipline that's going to shape us differently. And I think, uh, I hope this book is a part of helping us think differently about that. I, I believe it will be. It was for me. Well, and I, and thank you. Just, I mean, just to think about the fact that because God is good and so worthy of our, of celebrating that if we would live that way, we live in such a negative culture, even though we're so blessed in this country, we are a very negative um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just a complaining kind of culture. And I think we've got to, we've got to swim upstream from that. We, as, especially as believers, if you're listening and you're a follower of Christ, I mean, we're called to a higher standard than that. And so I, I it's not only, but that sounds like duty. So if we don't, if we don't push through to the reasons why we're fighting it, or we've pushed away mm-hmm. celebration, or like you said, we feel like, no, it's the chocolate cake of the Christian life. And I yeah. don't have any time. I, I'm, I'm too pious for that. I mean, I feel like that displeases the heart of God. So I, mm. for me, this was a paradigm shifting book. It was a, it was a challenge for me to deal with my own struggles in some of these areas to recognize that I have fought celebration thinking I needed to earn it. And to not lean into the goodness of God of being a reason in and of itself to celebrate and to have, as you call it, the courage to celebrate. It's a mm-hmm. courageous act. So I know the book just came out, Nicole. So where can they go to find it? How can they connect with you? And uh, you bring so much insight as a therapist. This is a very rich book, guys. This is not just mm-hmm. 
you know, oh, here's a struggle I went through and here's a solution. It is jam packed with mm. practical application and insights from your background, Nicole. So let us know where they can get their own copy. Yes. And I love that you brought, um, I love that you brought that part up because uh, clients have been very generous in letting me share some of their stories in here. And so I certainly use my own story and, and vulnerability um, to go first in sharing some of these ideas. But um, yeah, whatever your story is, I hope that you find resonance in the book, which you can buy anywhere you like to buy books. I'm a big fan of local bookstores. Uh, Amazon, of course, will carry it. Uh, but anywhere you like to buy books. And then my website is just Nicole Zazowski. N-I-C-O-L-E-Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com. And I love connecting with listeners and readers. So please reach out. I really try to respond to as many messages as I can. And then I'm on Instagram at Nicole Zazowski. I hang out there the most, but you can certainly find me on Facebook too. Um, And again, love, love, love messages from listeners and readers. That's actually how we ended up connecting for the podcast. Yes. Yes. I subscribed to your emails and I got the email about your brand new book coming out. And I thought, I wonder if she'd hop on here for the podcast. So thank you for lending your voice here, Nicole. It's so fun to talk with you. Thank you. Your voice is so needed in our generation. I'm so grateful. And guys, she's going to pray over us in just a moment. And I know that there's been so much that we've only really scratched the surface. I mean, we could have just stayed on one of these areas for the whole conversation, but I wanted our listeners to get kind of an overview of why we even need this book and what if it's Mm. wonderful. I think we're so holding on to just all this negativity. We're almost afraid to even take a, take a breath. We're waiting for the other shoe to fall. And I think we have to stop living that way. We've got to embrace this. What if it's wonderful? And she shares why that title even is how it came about. And you're just going to love it. I'm telling you, and it's going to be a wonderful gift for someone who, you know, maybe has walked through a painful situation and maybe they are more acquainted with pain than they are with the joy of celebration. And it's going to be such a ministering gift to them. So before she prays, Nicole, I love to ask all of my guests this last question. So other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has most inspired you to make life matter? Maybe it's someone you can't wait to meet in heaven, or is there a question you've always kind of had burning to ask? I would love to know who that person is for you. Well, the person who comes to mind immediately is Elizabeth. And I do, I do talk about her in the book. So this is the mom of John the Baptist. Um, just because she has such an expectant heart. Um, she has lived through years of pain and disappointment and cultural shame, um, around not being able to bear children. And yet when an angel appears to her and says, you are going, you are with child. You're going to have who we know is John the Baptist. Mm. She just receives without question. And there's a boldness to her. And when she encounters Mary, who of course is carrying Jesus, um, her spirit and her baby's spirit recognize her savior right away. Um, and I think part of that is because of their openness. And, and we see the contrast with her husband, Zechariah. Um, and, and Zechariah, I have a lot of compassion and probably relate more to him. Yeah. I get <laughs> um, it. The pessimism. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He protects with pessimism okay. and he wants, he wants 
proof before he'll trust the promise. And I really resonate with that. Uh, but what I love about Zechariah's part of the story as well is that his lack of faith doesn't keep him from the promise. So um, God, God doesn't need our goodness um, for to to give us good gifts, um, but he is silenced for a while and not yeah. able to speak. <laughs> um, but he still, of course, receives the gift of of fathering John the Baptist. So um, I just. Elizabeth is my model in this season of having an expectant heart and trusting, Mm -hmm. taking God at his word. And so I think it's going to be really fun to meet her. I love her. And I also love what a beautiful example of celebration, right? Yes. Elizabeth celebrating each other. Yes. You know, I mean, I just think that's such a beautiful picture and it's also a pretty telling epitaph there on that story that because he wasn't able to celebrate, even though God blessed him. He wasn't allowed to speak all that negativity. And so that's just an interesting kind of sidebar note. Yeah. What we're saying and how we're framing our circumstances through the filter of the goodness of God, that it, it does matter. It it changes us. It changes the way we go through what we're going through, whether it's good or bad, even as we started this new year, I I remember writing something on social media that was like, well, we don't know what this year is going to hold. And I felt like the Holy spirit checked my spirit. Like, Mm. Hey, now you just gave away all the power. What is the year going to hold? And so I put up a a quote. I just said, it's not, what is this year going to hold? It's how are we going to hold 2022? Oh, that's beautiful. Right. It's how we're holding Mm -hmm. the situation. Not just because otherwise we, we give away all of our agency and control over something we're disempowered as opposed to listen, I don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but how I hold it. It's right. be, it, it has a lot to do with it. And I think that's mm-hmm. in that story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. They both received the same news. They just yes. held the news very differently. But the good news is that God is so merciful and gracious that even in our moments where we're struggling to find the joy, he is so faithful to love us through mm-hmm. those moments. So wherever you find yourself in this podcast conversation today, guys, you will be blessed. And thank you, Nicole. You blessed us today. I want to read for today's truth that matters before we close in prayer. I want to read a section from your book because Nehemiah talks about the joy of the Lord being our strength. If we want to have a life of strength and we need that, mm-hmm. then it's linked to joy. It's inextricably linked to joy. So I love that you say this, what marks the heart of a person who has put her or him, whoever's listening today, whole trust in Jesus How could celebration not be at the top of the list? If we truly understand God's embrace of us as his bride, exuberant joy is the only logical response to be a Christ follower is to encounter joy and to be a person marked by celebration to be united with Christ in such an intimate way means that we don't settle for simply knowing about God, but we thoroughly enjoy our relationship with him and rejoice in what we have in our union with Christ readily. I love that. Thank you so much, Nicole, for your voice. Thank you for the way you're encouraging us. And I'm just grateful for how you allowed the Lord to use the painful situations in your life and to repurpose them into such meaningful insights for us. So thank you so much for your obedience. And I would love for you to just pray over our audience as we close. Oh, I'd be glad to. God, so many of us are, um, viewing a transition and and asking ourselves, what if I fail? What if I'm disappointed? 
what if I get hurt? What if I take a chance um, and come up short? And Lord, you know our temptation to ask ourselves those questions, to to ask what a year holds instead of um, challenging ourselves and asking for your grace to hold the year um, with expectation, uh, knowing that in our pain and our and in our joy, you are going to be there. You promise to be there, and we have nothing to fear in either life's pain or life's plenty. Um, that you are present in both places. God, I just pray for an expectant heart for every listener and viewer, Lord, that they would, um, that you would just give them your peace and your hope, um, knowing that we don't hope because of what we receive. We hope because of who we receive, the person and presence of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Um, and I just pray that as we go about our days uh, this year, that you would help us to find the courage to celebrate, um, just knowing that you are with us and you have planned good things um, for, for our lives and for our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDonatio.com, Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDonatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.